0: on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey guys, it's Morgan. Welcome back to the show. We've got four topics today. Number one, Trump is back on Twitter. Number two, even the Washington Post is now admitting this report. And of course, they waited until after the elections are over. But turns out that raid at Mar-a-Lago, yeah, that was a complete sham. Number three, the FDA is walking back a major COVID lie. And number four, we have more woke indoctrination happening in our schools that we must talk about. Let's get into it. Okay, before we get into that first topic, you've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 25th will have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bedsheets are marked down as low as $29.99, and believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, Comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, typically retailing at eighty nine ninety eight, but now just thirty nine ninety eight with promo code MORGAN. That's limited supply on these things, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374 using promo code MORGAN, or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code MORGAN. Thanks, guys. All right, so what do you know? Elon Musk buys Twitter. Then Elon Musk puts a poll onto Twitter where people can vote on whether or not he should reinstate President Trump's account. That ends up going in Trump's favor. Trump's account is restored. All of the tweets from January 6th and those days leading up to it were reappeared back onto his page. And he's already at like over 80 million followers on Twitter, apparently, where Joe Biden has like half of that. So it's been an eventful day, as you can imagine. And the thing that stuck out to me of all the things is You know what? Actually, there's two things. The first thing that stuck out to me is the fact that the people in the media are acting like this is violence or scary or uh, threatening or potentially risky in some way to our democracy. When in reality, what they have done is built such a successful narrative in some situations around this man. That some people truly think the future of the republic is at stake because of him, not because of any other potential threat that we are facing. And so I saw a really good comparison on Twitter. I can't remember from who, but it was basically like, guys, the same people who were saying we should start World War III with Russia because of a lie about Russia bombing Poland. Remember that just last week? Remember those guys who were trying to push for that Article 5 thing, trying to say that the U.S. should put boots on the ground to get involved because a NATO country got attacked, Poland got attacked. Remember that? They're the same ones who are saying that the real World War III is actually just going to start because Donald Trump, a you know candidate for president and former president of America, has a Twitter account and is able to tweet. They are unserious people. Not only that, They're unserious, but at the same time, they're like deadly serious. They're a dangerous form of serious because the sheeple that are indoctrinated to believe them over such ridiculous things like that are very passionate, aren't they? Right. They're very, very passionate. I saw a very scary thing, actually. My friend Sarah Gonzalez goes to a lot of the Texas drag queens shows for kids and she'll protest them and she'll cover them. Bring a camera guy and get footage of it and stuff. And she was just taking pictures at one that I saw online yesterday of her standing in front of these guys that are literally holding huge firearms covered in full black block Antifa style standing in front of a restaurant or some sort of building where they're having a drag queen event for children inside for families. And the fact that they are getting militant (laughs) in their protection style of events that sexualize children is just scary. (laughs) So, uh, I think that this side of sheeple that we're seeing in our country who are okay with sexualization of children, who are okay with woke indoctrination that divides us, who are okay with removing one side of the political discussion from the public square, from major communication channels in our country. I, you know. I get a little freaked out by them. I'm not going to lie. So the second thing that caught my attention here, beyond just the ridiculousness of people acting like the world's going to end just because Trump has his Twitter back, he hasn't even tweeted yet. I don't know if he'll tweet by Monday when this comes out because I'm filming this on a Sunday. But what caught my attention was the tweets that he had put out on his account, because when he got his account banned or removed or whatever had happened by Twitter back in 2021, all of his stuff disappeared. We couldn't look at his tweets. It just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. And so now that his account is restored, we're able to see what he was posting on January 6th when this whole insurrection—it's not an insurrection, but that's what they call it—when this whole event, this shenanigan thing happened. So on January 6th, two tweets from Trump really stuck out to me. He had tweeted, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful! And then next, he said, I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. So, you know, just a fun, interesting little tidbit for you there. Just a little throwback. I mean, that doesn't sound like a very violent insurrectionist if you ask me, but what do I know? (laughs) Uh, Speaking of this entire sham, we have an update on Mar-a-Lago, and it's not just right-wing people reporting on this. We've been talking about it for quite some time, right? But actually, the Washington Post and I caught this caught my attention because I was just scrolling through the news. And then I see a tweet from Charlie Kirk. And it said three months ago, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, strategically leaked suggestions that Mar-a-Lago was raided all because of sensitive nuclear secrets that could be there. Ho ho His tweet said now. WAPO admits it basically was just a spat over memorabilia. It's not a coincidence that someone waited until after the midterms to reveal this. I saw that, you guys, and I said, no, no, stop it. (laughs) I'm like my little cousin. Yesterday, my little cousin who's two is in the car and he was like, stop, never, never. (laughs) It's like, where did you learn this intonation? It was so cute. So back to the point, I had looked at it and said, there's no way (laughs) the Washington Post admitted this. What happened? And so I did a little digging and it turns out that, yeah, they had to admit that all of those claims about Trump was holding the nuclear codes at Mar-a-Lago, and he was maybe selling secret information to our foreign enemies and who knows what, right? They went off the deep end, as usual, but you can never believe these completely unserious people. I hope you guys have learned that by now. Pretty much every news story that I see, like, I don't believe it. You know what I mean? I just see them as, oh, this is the next spin. And then I'll go and do a little digging on my own and find out what the reality of the situation is as much as we can learn because everything's so hidden these days. But for the most part, like I see these crazy headlines and I don't even flinch anymore. And that's not me being desensitized to extreme situation after extreme situation. Instead, it's just me realizing, oh, These are all hyped up. And in reality, it's either not even happening or it's a a very small, 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 minuscule version of whatever's being hyped up in the headline right now. It's all clickbait. It's all just attention grabbing. They're trying to get our attention and trying to freak us out. The regimes operate on fear. They've done this throughout all of human history. So I just am like super calm about it and I just usually don't even pay attention to what they're reporting these days because then I would be completely misled on American politics. He <laughs> silly. So I don't want to be indoctrinated. I avoid that kind of stuff. Needless to say, I did a little digging and I came across this El American. I totally just said that like a white girl, um, El American. <laughs> Is that how it goes? I don't know. If you guys have seen it yet it's E L. American.com. It's a cool reporting site. So if you want to check it out, but the w- article says The Washington Post quietly drops bombshell about FBI's Trump Mar-a-Lago raid days after midterm election. This is by Kyle Becker. Here we go. It says it was a nuclear hoax. The Biden administration's unprecedented raid on former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence is shaping up to be one of the most egregious abuses of power that has ever been committed by a sitting president. Think about it, you guys, the president of the United States, knowing that the former president is probably going to run again and be his political opponent in 2024, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, and his administration and his Department of Justice and all of the faceless bureaucrats of the fourth branch of our government that was never intended to be in existence. If you look at what our founders intended for our country, they decided to raid the private home. The private cabinets and personal areas of our former president, potentially president again one day, his wife, his family members, and the property where he, he calls home. Like, There's something really invasive and scary, and I think they did it for many reasons. One of them is to just freak us out. If they could do it to Trump, what else are they going to do to us? A schmucks, you know what I mean? I mean, I've, I've said this before. Some people see, oh, Morgan wants to homestead one day. What are you going to do, Morgan? Are you doing that to like escape the communists? Uh no, you guys, I've seen human history. I'm very aware of the fact that when communists come to power, it doesn't matter where you live, they will come to your remote homestead and they will take you out just like the rest of them. In fact, these people, especially from the cities when they have their little communist revolutions, they think they're pulling something off by taking over all the property, especially by the country bumpkins, especially by the farmers and the ranchers and the people that have all the land. And then guess what? They don't know how to do it. So they rape the land. They pillage the land. They kill off all the animals because they don't know how to keep everything going. All of the plants die. All of the vegetation dies. All of the crops die. There's no harvest because these people are idiots. They have no idea how to actually have life skills that sustain humanity. And eventually, with the failed economic policies, with the collapsed properties, with all of the people that actually know how to create things and keep society going in a private economy, now taken out, the communists ruin everything but have all the power and then can just control the sheeple that are left so i don't think that i'm like running away from society to go be on my secret off-grid homestead that is incredibly difficult to pull off have you ever heard of ruby ridge (laughs) like one time i said i was going out like ruby ridge and i people did not like that joke i was kidding i was kidding maybe um but Back to the point is, if they could do that to President Donald Trump, former president and now presidential candidate, who else could they do it to? The answer is anybody, everybody, anybody they want to. Okay, no one is safe and they properly sent that message when they raided Mar-a-Lago. So it was that first step. Then the next step, of course, was to demonize him a step further and make it seem like he had all these secret documents, like all them. Remember all the nuclear codes and everything that he was maybe giving to our enemies, even though it's actually Joe Biden and Hunter Biden that are doing business and getting rich off of business deals with Ukraine and Russia and China. But who am I to say any of this stuff? It's actually them, but it's a classic communist tactic to accuse your opponent of what you are actually doing yourself. I could go on and on. Oh, my gosh. My heart hurts right now. This is a tough episode. Wow. We're getting deep. But. They accused him of this kind of stuff. People got freaked out to a whole other level of like, oh my gosh, now we have to deal with this major problem. Trump has been in on it this whole time. He snuck all this, all these documents down to Mar-a-Lago. What else is he doing? They leaked that document. Remember this? They, they leaked the picture from the FBI where they had Trump's Time magazines that were framed in these gold picture frames. He, they had those on the floor in an FBI box next to all these files and folders that said like top secret on it or whatever. It looked like straight out of a movie. Movie. And it was all planned. I mean, do you really think that leak was just, oopsie, somebody leaked this really posed picture from the Mar a Lago raid? No, you guys, come on, be a little smarter than that, all right? So, All of these things that happen. And guess what? The midterm elections happened. The left successfully stopped a red wave from happening because half the country legit thinks that they are going to live in a handmaid's tale situation if Republicans gain power. The other parts of that party think that we are a democracy and that democracy is on the line if Trump wins again. And so they're freaked out by that. Everybody's operating like complete buffoons. But the truth is now out. Okay, and that's what we're Getting back to the article on this. So the article says it is now nearly indisputable that it was a politically motivated raid over a paperwork dispute. Tantamount not only to blatant election interference into the 2022 midterms, because, yeah, it freaked out a lot of voters to think that Trump maybe had nuclear codes, but also a preemptive salvo on Biden's presumptive presidential rival in the 2024 election. So think about this. It's not like they're just going after Trump in the past, right? Like, oh, he did bad things. You know, he has to be held accountable. No, no, no. They knew that he's preparing to potentially run again, and they saw him as the number one person they are going against in the political arena. Arena and they said, here's how we could take him out. Here's how we could go against. So the government and the people in power weaponized government power and assets and resources against their political opponents. You see how that's a little kind of a bad situation that we got going on here. So. Back to the article. The FBI's raid at the behest of the National Archives and Records Administration has not yielded the nuclear secrets that the Washington Post reported in August were in Trump's possession. So the Washington Post reported in August 2022 that Trump had nuclear secrets at Mar a Lago. That's a ballsy accusation. Okay. Instead, Days after a highly contested election where Democrats relied in part on the unsubstantiated reports to keep Trump's name in the news and thus to turn out its Democratic Party base, the Washington Post has effectively made a guilty confession. There is none of that stuff at Mar-a-Lago. Dun, dun, dun. So, yes, so they made these major accusations leading up to the midterm elections in 2022. It successfully defeated the red wave, among other things. And now that the midterms were over and they're kind of safe, they're like, whew, OK, now we can report semi the truth. Maybe there is not actually nuclear codes there. Sorry. <laughs> it says the Post is now reporting that, quote, a review by agents and prosecutors found no discernible business interest in the Mar-a-Lago documents. People familiar with the matter said, end quote. The Post then reported that, quote, as part of the investigation, federal authorities reviewed the classified documents that were recovered from Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and private club, looking to see if the types of information contained in them pointed to any kind of pattern or similarities, according to these people, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss an ongoing investigation. That review has not found any apparent business advantage to the types of classified information in Trump's possession. FBI interviews with witnesses so far, they said, also do not point to any nefarious effort by Trump to leverage, sell, or use the government secrets. Instead, here's the kicker, the former president seemed motivated by a more basic desire not to give up what he believed was his property, these people said. Trump repeatedly said the materials were his, not the government's, often in profane terms, two of these people said. So going down, it says that Donald Trump posted this on Truth Social. He said, nuclear weapons issue is a hoax, just like Russia, Russia, Russia was a hoax. Two impeachments were a hoax. The Mueller investigation was a hoax and much more. Same sleazy people involved. Why wouldn't the FBI allow the inspection of areas at Mar-a-Lago with our lawyers present or others? Made them wait outside in the heat. Wouldn't even let them get close. Said absolutely not. Planting information, anyone? Reminds me of a Christopher Steele dossier. And then now back to the article, it says it turns out once again that Donald Trump has a point. It can be added to our other post-election revelations that misled Democratic voters. A federal court striking down Biden's now defunct student loan forgiveness. The FBI confirmed to have multiple informants embedded with extremist groups that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. And the FTX collapse under Biden's number two donor, Sam Bankman-Fried. Just few more things exposed after the midterms. That's another thing you guys I forgot to bring up. When we hear major promises from the left of handing out things that seem completely unconstitutional, for the most part, they know that it's unconstitutional, just like forgiving a certain amount of student loans in our country. It's unconstitutional. It's not right. It's not feasible. It's not possible. But what do you know? Right before the midterm elections, Joe Biden and the administration promised all of these young people who are the largest voting bloc in America now and vote mostly to the left, he promised to cancel their student loans. What do you know? After the elections, it turns out that that's not legal. That's not possible. And the courts stopped it. So one, I'm thankful for our system of checks and balances, our separations of power. That's what our founders intended, that if the executive branch does something out of place, the legislative branch and the judicial branch can step in to stop it. But the problem is now, and this is a great analysis that I've seen from multiple people and it's talked about in the book Age of Entitlement by Christopher Caldwell, which is my favorite political book. And it's this idea that we now operate in a system of lawsuits and legal solutions instead of legislation created by lawmakers who are democratically elected by the people of our country. Instead, you have executive abuses of power or people even in the legislature, people across the country, people in business, no matter what it is, people abuse the power that they have. And they do it knowing that it's going to take years and years and years of lawsuits, of suing, of, of all of these different backlogs in the system to get them to actually be stopped. And so in the end, do you achieve justice? Yes, but at what expense? How can we live in a, a constitutional republic like this? How can we live in a society of law and justice and true freedom? And and true accountability for wrongdoers if it takes years to do this kind of stuff, if it takes so much to hold a bad actor or a liar accountable. You know what I mean? Because like by the time Biden promised all this stuff, by the time they made all these positive campaign messages about it, by the time that they turned this into a victory on Election Day. Sorry, those are my dogs in the background. By the time they did all of this stuff, the courts were only able to really shut it down after Election Day. Now, uh, speaking of lack of accountability in our country, especially when it comes to things like the executive branch, like the unelected bureaucrats that are completely faceless in the departments within our executive branch. Again, that's called the fourth branch of government that our founders never intended to exist in the first place. I found a video that really caught my attention, and it kind of goes in line with another story that came out about the FDA. But first, let's watch this about these poor boys.
1: Just days after getting their second COVID-19 vaccine, two teenage boys died in their sleep. Medical experts have been investigating what happened, and they've now released their report. An epidemiologist says it adds to a body of evidence that confirms Pfizer's vaccine can lead to death in children. NTD's Miguel Moreno reports.
2: To attend class in some parts of the country, kids need to be vaccinated against COVID-19. The federal government says they're safe, but gives them warning labels of what could lead to death. Uh, This myocarditis warning that is out on Pfizer-Moderna is very serious. Epidemiologist Peter McCullough says this in light of a new report. Its authors investigated the cases of two teenage boys from different states. Both of them had received second doses of the Pfizer vaccine, only to die a few days later in their sleep. McCullough says that in his view, the study confirms that Pfizer's vaccines led to the deaths of the teenagers. That's the conclusion now, and it's the conclusion of several reports in the peer-reviewed literature. This isn't the only one. So it's clear that our FDA warnings on these vaccines are valid and justified, and these reports indicate in some cases it's fatal. The report was published by the College of American Pathologists, which is considered the largest organization of board-certified pathologists. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, known as the CDC, lists the myocarditis warning on its website for both Pfizer and Moderna's vaccines, but no mention that myocarditis could lead to death. We contacted the CDC, but we haven't heard back. Miguel Moreno, NTD News.
0: Jeez, that is just disturbing. Um and heartbreaking at the same time because they're telling us that it's going to be okay and parents are making this kind of decision for their own children of what would be best. And, you know, unfortunately, we're learning the hard lesson that you cannot trust the experts. We should always question. We should always have a healthy distrust of institutions, of people in power, of our government, of really anybody that says, hey, I'm here to help. Just trust me. Also, sorry, there's kids in the background. (laughs) They're so cute, but they're so loud. So speaking of the vaccine, speaking of distrusting institutions and experts, there is an article from the Epic Times that I think you guys just have to give. It's either like a dollar for a subscription or it's you just have to put your email in. Um, Either way, I highly suggest using them as a good source for future things. It's one of the only people or sources that I trust. Zachary Stiber from the Epic Times wrote an article that said the FDA says telling people not to take ivermectin for COVID-19 was just a recommendation. You know what I mean? They, they told us for a very long time not to do it. And now that they're being held accountable, their, rea- their response is to say, oh, no, well, it was just a recommendation. And this came out, was updated November 19th. So Saturday, November 19th. But this is an ongoing story. So if there's updates to this, I'm sorry. Before I get into this article, I just want to remind you guys the tone that the FDA took regarding ivermectin when this whole mess of it being like a horse dewormer came out. Remember that? Where you couldn't even talk about using ivermectin on social media without getting banned or marked for misinformation or disinformation by social media big tech censorship giants because they all wanted to push this message that you had to get the vaccine. There was no other option for treatment. And so the FDA back in August 2021, tweeted the following. The tweet said, you are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. Again, that's the US FDA's blue checkmarked account. You are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. And the title of the article in the tweet was, why you should not use ivermectin to treat or prevent COVID-19. These absolute scammers. So what do you know? Ivermectin actually really helps in the treatment of COVID-19. Shocker, shocker. Another thing that was proven wrong, sold to us by the experts, by the regime. Well, we're going to get into this article now because it really breaks down how bad this lie is and it paints the picture of how they're now trying to avoid the repercussions of said lie. Zachary's article starts with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, telling people to stop taking ivermectin for COVID-19 was informal and just a recommendation government lawyers are arguing during a recent hearing. Quote, the cited statements were not directives. (laughs) They were not mandatory. They were recommendations. They said what parties should do. They said, for example, why you should not take ivermectin to treat COVID-19. They did not say you may not do it you must not do it. They did not say it's prohibited or unlawful. They also did not say that doctors may not prescribe ivermectin. Isaac Belfar, one of the lawyers, told the court during the November 1st hearing in federal court in Texas, quote, they use informal language that is true, he also said, adding that it's conversational but not mandatory. But here's the thing, you guys, that's what they said about the vaccine mandate. They said, well, it's not mandatory. It's not forced technically because you have a choice to just not keep your job. It might be called a mandate, but it's certainly not mandatory or forced into your body if you have the choice to just not provide for your family anymore and restart your career in a new position. But wait, what do you do if most of the employers in America are now going to be forced to require you to get it if you want to work at their company? Oh, it can't be forced. It can't be considered a mandate. Now, back to this. It says the hearing was held in a case brought by three doctors who say the FDA illegally interfered with their ability to prescribe medicine to their patients when it issued statements on ivermectin, an antiparasitic that has shown positive results in some trials against COVID-19. Ivermectin is approved by the FDA, but not for COVID-19. Drugs are commonly used for non-approved purposes in the United States. The practice is known as off-label treatment. The FDA created a web page in 2021 titled, Why You Should Not Use Ivermectin to Treat or Prevent COVID-19, and later posted a link to the page on Twitter writing, You are not a horse, you are not a cow, seriously, y'all, stop it. A second post stated, Hold your horses, y'all, Ivermectin may be trending, but it still isn't authorized or approved to treat COVID-19. In a separate page, the FDA said, Question, Should I take Ivermectin to prevent or treat COVID-19? Answer, No. Those actions interfered with the doctor's practice of medicine, violating the laws, including the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, the lawsuit alleges. It asked the court to rule the actions unlawful and bar the FDA from directing or opining as to whether ivermectin should be used to treat COVID-19. Jared Kelson, an attorney representing the plaintiffs, told the court during the hearing that the informal claim doesn't explain the language they used. Stop it. Stop it with the ivermectin. It's so funny because the FDA is like, well, we didn't tell anybody specific stuff. We just suggested it when in reality, their tweets, their articles, their website all literally said, quote, stop it. Stop taking ivermectin. So back to the article. The FDA's actions, quote, clearly convey that this is not an acceptable way to treat these patients, he argues. Plaintiffs in the case include Dr. Paul Merrick, who began utilizing ivermectin in his COVID-19 treatment protocol in 2020 while he was the chief of pulmonary and critical care medicine at Eastern Virginia Medical School and director of the intensive care unit at Centara Norfolk General Hospital. After the FDA's statements, Merrick was told to remove the protocol from the school's servers while Centara issued a memorandum to hospitals telling them to stop using ivermectin against COVID-19 with a citation to the FDA. Merrick was forced to resign from his positions because he couldn't prescribe ivermectin due to the FDA's statements, the suit alleges. The government has moved to dismiss the complaint, asserting plaintiffs lack standing because the injuries cannot be traced back to the FDA. Here's more from the hearing. During the recent hearing, which was on the motion to dismiss, the government said the FDA could not be blamed for injuries. Quote, plaintiffs have not shown that any of their claimed injuries are fairly traceable to defendants' statements because their injuries were caused by independent third-party conduct that was not a predictable response to those statements. The people arguing... Against the FDA said, quote, if the government is going to label ivermectin a horse medicine or a horse dewormer and promulgate the idea that it is only for animals, then the natural correlation is that doctors who prescribe it are horse doctors or quack doctors. And that is what is played out. That is enough of a harm to get into court. And so that's the argument that they're making is like, you know what, you guys may have used fluffy language to get around being held accountable like, oh, well, it was just a suggestion. And we were just saying that you shouldn't and not that you must. We weren't forcing people one way or another. And the people fighting against the government and this are saying, OK, no, but you spread massive propaganda campaigns and information campaigns that made every doctor that did use ivermectin or anybody that talked positively about it look like absolute crazy people, conspiracy theorists, quack jobs that were taking horse dewormer. Do you see how there's an issue there? Because you're trusted as the experts and you were the ones that were helping to spread this nasty horse dewormer, you're taking animal medicine narrative about Americans who are just trying to treat something in a serious way. So I think that this is interesting to see out. But it again plays into the fact that, wow, these people really It's hard to hold them accountable because when you play the legal game, you can often get away with it. And that's kind of what's happening right now. So I'll wait and see what happens at the end of this trial. But as of now, that's really all that I can share with you guys. But isn't it frustrating as heck? All right. Speaking of another frustrating thing, we have yet another health issue. This time it's with children and the transgender movement. I found a video online that's just deeply disturbing. Now, I personally will be homeschooling my babies, right? And I completely understand that a lot of people are looking for options out there. Maybe they never considered homeschooling, and so they're a little freaked out by that. And they definitely feel uncomfortable with public school, but perhaps they have to send their kid to public school. Or perhaps they live in a state where it's very difficult to do anything but send your kid to public school. Or perhaps they're just trying to find a pathway. No matter what, I think every parent should be reconsidering what they considered as normal in terms of the raising and the education of their children. And The last few years have really hammered this home for me and a lot of other people, but I certainly know my child will never go to a government institution to receive their education and how to be a strong, educated, capable individual, okay? So for me, I know what I'm going to do, but I hope that these kind of stories, the more that I share them, spread to you guys for multiple reasons. Now, here's, let's start with this video of this teacher talking about what she does in her classroom.
3: So what I do is on the first day of school, I make this all about me questionnaire. I give it out. And on there, I'm asking for their pronouns. I want to know what they go by. And then I'm also asking for their names because sometimes there are students who their name is different than what their like legal name is. So their legal name might be George, but they don't go by George. So you ask them what they go by so that you can call them the right thing and then you use that name and you use those pronouns and you make sure that the student feels safe at school and by asking all the students you're not centering out specific kids in the classroom again creating this nice nice classroom environment you're also setting a good example by asking for pronouns so as students see that oh yeah 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 my teachers are asking for pronouns in the future ideally they're gonna remember that they should be asking for pronouns so that they know what people go by it's becoming more of a normalized thing in society you just got to get with the times people and the other really important thing is report card writing just as a little side note when I'm writing report cards and there's a student who let's say goes by George on the attendance list and they've told me that they go by Bob at school and their pronouns are different I will ask them like I will check in with them just before report cards to make sure that like are their parents aware like I don't want to be outing a kid at like On their report card. Like, I want to make sure that if, okay, their parents are still calling them George and he on the report card, I will go by that, or I'll just say George over and over and not do pronouns at all. That way, I don't out a kid. They're still safe, and we can create a nice, loving classroom environment.
0: Okay. (sighs) Number one history shows as the left rises to power, they create division between children and their parents with political issues so that there is a deeper bond to political issues and political leaders than there is between a child and their own parents, okay? It's really, really sickening. This is not something new, right? It's never, oh, this is a whole totally new concept we've never seen before. It's often that we just aren't aware that these things have happened before. In reality, this has happened probably dozens of times throughout human history where the left rises to power. They create an indoctrinated group of young people, starting with the education system and then moving out with propaganda campaigns, etc. And then those children end up being the perpetrators of spreading the movement and leading it into the next generation. So it's really, really freaky. That alone is really scary to see, that she is encouraging children and allowing children to be themselves, as she claims, where in reality they've just changed their their gender, they've changed their name, their pronouns, in her classroom, and she finds it appropriate to not include the parents in that discussion. Because if a child who is under 18, a minor, is feeling so much confusion and is feeling so much emotion and struggle with their own perspective of themselves, with how they see themselves and how they feel about themselves, what they know about themselves, then clearly something is wrong. Okay? That's not normal as a minor to feel like you are in the wrong body. And so if you truly do have gender dysphoria, which very few people who claim to be trans now actually have... If you truly have that, then as an educator, as an administrator in a school, as a professional that works with children, you should know right away that you need to be including the family in a conversation like that so that you can get the child the best care. Fascinating concept, right? Oh my gosh, it's so difficult to wrap my head around. (laughs) In reality, though, we have teachers in America that now say, oh my gosh, I'm going to protect this child from their evil parents who are not going to support them or affirm their gender. I'm going to allow them to continue to build this narrative in their head that they are in the wrong body. I'm going to continue to help them get down this dangerous path to more confusion, more frustration, more depression over their current existence. And hey, who knows what will happen next, but at least I've saved them from their parents. Now, what happens when you have teachers that do this? Well, unfortunately, we're seeing this story start to come out as this becomes more of a normal practice between teachers and educators and their the parents of the, the students, right? So creating that division between parent and child. One specific example that caught my attention this year was back in January 2022. I'm looking at the nationaldesk.com right now. The article's title is Parents Say School Secretly Met With Daughter Over Being Trans Before, Get This, Her Suicide Attempt. This was in Clay County, Florida. A lawsuit has reportedly been filed against a school district in Florida after parents say they discovered the school was secretly meeting with their 12-year-old daughter over her, quote, gender identity. According to WJAX News, the lawsuit claims the parents didn't learn about the alleged meetings that were happening every week between the school's counselor and their daughter until after she tried to kill herself. So this is a video from Libs of TikTok of the local news there.
4: Local family claims Clay County school leaders held secret meetings with their child over gender identity confusion and now they're suing. The father says the school didn't tell him until after the student attempted suicide. Action News Jacks Robert Grant joins us live at Clay County School Headquarters. And Robert, the focus of this lawsuit is also the reason behind a controversial bill moving through the state legislature. Yeah, and John, part of that bill prohibits schools from withholding information about a child's well-being. It also, under current law, states that counselors don't have that obligation always. Well, this legislation looks to change that. You'll notice in this story we've concealed the father's identity. We're also not naming the school to protect the child. A phone call on January 5th turned into a nightmare for one Clay County family. Because our daughter... um, Our daughter... uh, Attempted suicide by um, hanging herself um, in one of the bathrooms um, of the school. The father says his daughter attempted suicide after a gender identity crisis, but he claims he never knew because his daughter was having secret meetings with a school guidance counselor. It's now the focus of a federal lawsuit filed against Clay County Schools. To protect the rights of parents to be able... To, to raise their children, to, di- to direct the care of their child in accordance with their faith and without the interference of government officials. A local counselor tells me confidentiality is protected until a child presents a danger to themselves or others. That's when, legally, parents have to be notified.
0: So that's just one example of what can happen when you hide this kind of stuff from parents. First of all, it's their right to know. And next, it's the most important thing. It's the most important way to help a child is to make sure that the people that are closest to that child, the people that take care of that child are aware of what the child is actually going through. How can we get the child properly supported? How can we give them the best support, love, care, and treatment that they need to deal with a problem if we, their number one supporters, their parents, do not even know what they are dealing with because the educators are so indoctrinated into the system that they think it's best to keep the parents out of it. It's absolutely sickening. The next thing that we have to consider, because we keep hearing about teachers saying, oh, well, I have them write their pronouns down when they introduce themselves on the first day, or I ask them to say their pronouns to the class on their first day when we're introducing each other. We could all look at this and be like, More woke craziness in the class like luckily my kids going to be good and conservative. We don't have to worry about that. They're not going to fall for it. At the end of the day, we have to look at the science. Children learn through imitation. They learn through repetition. They learn by watching what others are doing around them. And they depend on adults in society to do the very basic thing, to raise them, to raise them up into little mini, mini humans. And then those mini humans become real adults that are participating in society and keeping society going. It's a very basic concept of spreading knowledge and experience and wisdom down to the next generation so that they're able to keep it all going. Okay, the world goes on. The world is always spinning. But what happens when we start to raise children up with a distorted view of how society functions? What if we teach them every day Via our own actions and with repetition in the classroom of doing things as simple as like, oh, and be sure to say your pronouns because that's a normal thing that we do here. You're teaching them that that's a normal practice. You're teaching them that you shouldn't be able to guess someone's pronouns just by looking at them and seeing if they are more masculine or more feminine to see if they are a man or a woman. If you if it's a man, you use he, a woman, she. No, no, no. You should always ask because it's a normal concept that you can pick your pronouns. You can pick your gender. It's not always going to match up with your sex. We are teaching children to see the world in this way, because as adults, we usually raise children up to understand how the world works. If we change how we teach the children about the world, eventually those children grow up, they become adults, and then they operate the world as they were raised up. They operate the world in the ways that they were taught to operate the world. And right now, they're being taught to operate it in a very kooky, crazy way. So it's very important that we Nip this in the bud. We stop this kind of stuff from happening in classrooms, on worksheets, etc. My first experience was in college at orientation where we had to introduce ourselves with our pronouns. And I'm from country bumpkin land. I had never even heard of such a thing. And so I remember Googling the word pronoun to make sure that I knew what they were talking about. I was like, am I? Why does it have a pronoun section on this worksheet? Why do I have to say my pronoun when I'm introducing myself to this class? Like, did I get something wrong? Am I thinking of a different kind of pronoun? Is there a second version of a pronoun? I was so confused. And so it was a weird experience for sure. But if you do that to children at a very young age, not like 18 or 19 like I was, Then they're going to fall for that a lot more easily, and they're not going to question it the way maybe like an 18-year-old Morgan that, you know, I'd never heard of it before, but it seems kind of weird. I had the experience in life to at least be able to be like, this sounds wrong. (laughs) So that makes me very concerned. And please, all I ask is that just don't take it for granted that, oh, well, I'm conservative, my husband's conservative, and we're going to talk to our kids about gender enough that it won't become a problem. No, no, no. This is already being normalized all over the country. We have to nip this. Now, last thing about this is this tweet from Tulsi Gabbard, or no, it was a clip from her podcast. Somebody tweeted it out, and they said a really good point that I thought would be good for us to end on. David Rayboy posted this clip of Tulsi with the caption, wonder how different the 2022 midterms would have gone if every GOP candidate spoke this forthrightly about this issue. Okay? And we'll just end with this Tulsi Gabbard clip. So you guys, I hope you had a nice time listening to the podcast today. Nice and informative. I hope you guys have a really great start to your week. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Thank you so much.
1: According to a research paper that was recently published to the Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics, show that there has been a 389% increase in children receiving mastectomies from 2016 through 2019. I want to say that again, children receiving mastectomies. The UCLA School of Law's Williams Institute published a study that found the number of transgender youth in America has doubled in just the past five years. And when you look at these statistics, you got to realize that this is not an accident. This didn't just happen. This is very intentional. And it's the consequence of this radical agenda that is being pushed on our kids. They're rejecting the existence of objective reality by rejecting this most fundamental truth of the differences between a biological male and female. Now, even as there are no long term studies on the effects of these dangerous treatments on our kids, those in power and government and so-called medical professionals continue to push them. Many of the standard protocols that they are pushing include puberty blockers and hormones, some of which were just recently flagged by the FDA because of their plausible link to serious brain disorder, cognitive problems. Now, that hasn't uh, stopped President Biden from going and telling parents that, quote, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe.
2: To parents of transgender children... Affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy.